Good morning again. Uh, I think we'll just, uh, you know, Paul and his pastor not here today. Of course, I'm doing the ministering. And, you know, like Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2, where he says, you know, I didn't come to you in eloquence of speech or stuff like that. I come to you in demonstration of the Holy Ghost. So that's what we're going to believe is going to happen today. We're going to believe that the Holy Ghost takes over here. And so we don't, so you don't have to listen to me. Amen. Uh, what, I, what I really would like to talk to you about today, I was kind of muttering over all week long what I wanted to go over, and I had this in my heart that I wanted to talk a little bit about faith today, because the Bible says that the only way to please God is by faith, so if that's the only way to please Him, we need to know all we can about faith. And I asked Melinda, I says, what do you think, would that be alright if I talked about faith today? And she said, yeah, she says, let's talk about something that we can use. We can all use faith, I think. Amen. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I'm going to kind of give you some, some principles that I've studied out in the Word that will give us some principles on how we can live a life of faith. Uh, so to start off with, in, in Acts chapter 5, and you don't have to look all these scriptures up. You can write them down and, and uh, look them up afterwards, but... Anyway, in, in Acts chapter 5, and the reason that I'm going to go through several scriptures today because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if we aren't hearing the Word of God, we're not developing our faith. So that is the most important thing that whenever we come to church that we can do is listen to the Word. A lot of churches you go to, you'll hear stories, you'll hear things like that. That's not building your faith up at all. You know, the Word's what builds our faith. And in Acts chapter 5... In Acts chapter 16, verse 5, it says, So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and growing in numbers daily. So it's vitally important that the church be strengthened in its faith because we know if the church is being strengthened in its faith, God's adding to their numbers. He desires people to be in that church. He desires people to want to come to that church because they're being strengthened in the faith. They have a desire to serve God. They have a desire to... to put God at His fullness so that it draws people in. We're supposed to be like a magnet. You know, we're, we're uh, Jesus is the light that shines within us, so whenever our light goes out, it's kind of like uh, at night when the insects and stuff come out. They're all drawn to that light. People are supposed to actually be drawn to us. We as Christians, we're supposed to draw people in. We're supposed to make people jealous of how we live. If we're living a life that isn't exciting, if we're living a life that looks boring to people, why are they going to be drawn to us? They have no reason to be. You know, we need to live a life victoriously so that people are excited about what they're seeing in us and it makes them want to see the same thing in themselves. You know, so that they come in, so that they get what we've got. We're supposed to give out what we've got. You know, the Dead Sea, it draws water in all the time, but it never puts any water out. And that's why it's the Dead Sea, because it puts nothing out. And everything that's in it, is become stagnant and becomes dead and it's a dead sea. We don't want to be that dead sea. We want to be able to put something out. You know, we want that water to continually flow through our lives. So the first thing we have to do in order to walk in faith, we have to receive the word by faith. You know, in, in uh, Romans 10, 17, it says, which I already quoted this, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to put the Word of God in our ears. You know, whenever we're reading the Bible, I really believe this. Whenever we're reading the Bible, I, and I don't do it a lot, I read the Bible to myself a lot, 
But I really think it would help us when we read the Bible if we read it out loud to ourselves. Because it says faith comes by hearing. Hearing. You know, so we need to hear it. Not just in our inner person, but our ears need to hear it. You know, it says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that needs to go into our ears so that we can get our minds renewed. So it really helps if you read the Bible out loud, I believe, whenever you're reading it. In Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, For indeed we had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard was not united with faith by those who heard it. So it didn't do them any good. You know, we heard the word. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that has heard the word. You know, I, I've seen countless people come into this church, and I know whenever they're in this church, our pastor preaches the word. And I know that they've come in and they've heard the word, but it's done them no good because they didn't unite it with faith. They didn't believe what they heard. You know, and, and within a week or two weeks or four weeks, you don't see them anymore. Because the word that they heard, they didn't unite with faith. So we have to, whenever we hear this word, we have to believe what the word says. If we don't believe it, then it's not going to do us any good. We're not going to gain any fruit from anything that we hear. We have to stand on what the Word says. If it says we can do this, we've got to believe we can do this. If it says that we can't do this, we've got to believe we can't do this. Amen? <clears throat> you know, the Word is, is like, it's like eating. It's nutrition to your body. <laughs> you know, my wife... Sure, but it is. And in reality, you know that, that you take somebody that is uh, anorexic or you take somebody that's in a third world country that they don't get to eat on a regular basis, they don't know that they're starving to death. They don't. Their, their, body, their body functions all shut down and everything and they actually don't know they're starving to death. You know, so, and we're a lot that same way. If we're not feeding on the Word of God... We don't realize we're starving to death. You know, we don't realize what the nutrition that that word has for us to help build us up. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, also like Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, you get these huge mounds of food set before you and you eat like pigs. Well, you think, you ate that lunch and you think, oh man, I'll never be able to eat for a week. You know, I got so stuffed and everything else. You wake up the next morning and you're just famished. You know, it's because that food's got into you and it's stretched everything out and you want to eat more. You know, it's the same way with the Word. The more you get into the Word, the more of it you want. You know, so it, 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 it's a, I mean, it's a process. You know, we have to desire what the Word says. But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So the word needs to be in you, near you, in your heart, and then you need to preach it. You need to share it. You know, we have to, if the word truly means something to us, why do we not share it with other people? Why do we desire to see other people go to hell? I don't. I really don't. You know, we have an opportunity, my wife and I, because of the people and the church and everything else we have an opportunity to do a lot of ministering you know go to third world countries and minister to people and it's so exciting to see what God is doing in them countries unfortunately I don't see the hunger here that you see in the other places 
You know, we in the U.S. have become very dull-eared, I think. Uh, whenever we hear the word, it don't mean to us what it does in other places. I mean, the word in some places is life or death to people. And it should be life or death to us because the word is life or death to us. You know, you're going to end up in one place or another. So the word is life or death. And we need to treat it as such. The word of God is powerful. It says it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, and it cuts both ways, coming and going. So we need to really put the word in our mouth and in our heart. You know, faith, it says in, in uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if we have hope for something, and if we have read the Bible, and we know that that something is within God's will, because he tells us what his will is in his word. And if we know that something is within God's will, and we have a hope for it, there's no reason to believe that we don't have it. It says the assurance of things hoped for. So whenever we hope for something, if it's in God's word, if you don't know whether it's in God's word, then you're just hoping in, in it's not faith. <laughs> you know, you're, it's just like shooting a shotgun. It goes out everywhere. You just hope you hit something. But... If we know what God's Word says on a situation, then there's no reason we can't believe that we've got it. You know, faith is assurance, saying, hope for, it's conviction of things not seen. My wife and I have been believing for something for about six years now. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet, but I believe it's there. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's in there. The only reason that we don't get it is if we're asking with the wrong motives or we're not asking in faith. If it's with the wrong motives, we don't, shouldn't expect to receive it. And if we're not asking in faith, we shouldn't expect to receive it. But if we're doing it for the right reasons and doing it for the right thought, there's no reason to believe. I mean, it may be another five years. It may be next week. I don't know. But it will happen. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it won't happen. We have to have spiritual eyes. Not physical eyes, but spiritual eyes. We have to be able to look forward into those things that aren't there yet and see that they are and I see it you know I see it so it is coming I truly believe that you know we don't hear a lot preached about Enoch a lot of you maybe never even heard of his name I don't know but he's in the Old Testament and, and uh, you can read about him oh back in chapter 5 of, of Genesis but Enoch it says uh, was taken up and didn't have to experience death. God took him because it says he was pleasing to God. And it said he walked with God for 300 years. So how did he walk with God? I mean, I'm certain that he didn't see God. I'm certain he didn't touch God. I'm certain he didn't feel God. How did he walk with God? He walked with him by faith. Because the Bible says that faith is the only way to please God. And it said that Enoch was pleasing to God. So we can assume that God walked with Enoch by faith. You know, that's how we walk with God, is by faith. I mean, I know God's here with me right now. Because I'm, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, but, but the Holy Ghost is. But the Holy Ghost is, amen? And so that's, that's what we're after, is to yield ourselves to God in such a way He can use us. Because He wants to use us. Every single day of our life, He desires to use us. 
It's what we allow Him to do. Uh, and, the, and another thing that we need to do is, is like the third principle in this is we need to fellowship with people of faith. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. You know, so sometimes before we can actually get into where we need to be, you know, we need to look at some people of faith that we have some respect for, uh, you know, that maybe had shared to Jesus with us the first time, and look at their faith and imitate them. You know, do what they do. If they get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and read the Bible, get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and read the Bible. You know, if they pray before their meals, pray before their meals. You know, if they, if they uh, uh, go to church three times a week, go to church three times a week. You know, imitate them until it becomes a reality to you. Imitate them until that faith steps into you. You know, it says that we are to imitate those that have led us. I did that for a long time. I had Bryce Johnson, a real good friend of mine. I uh, haven't seen him for a long, long time, but he was probably the most instrumental in helping develop my faith. And, you know, I did a lot of everything that he did for the simple reason I wanted the same faith that he had. So I imitated him a lot. I didn't even know that was in the Bible at the time, but God did. <laughs> and he knew I needed all the help I could get coming from where I came from. You know, so he, uh, I imitated him a whole lot. You know, and the Bible says in 13, Hebrews 13, 8, it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus was healing people back then, he's still healing people today. If Jesus was delivering people from demons back then, he's still delivering people from demons today. If Jesus was, you know, whatever you put into there, if Jesus was doing it, there's no reason we can't do it now. Because he said that all authority has been given to you. So he transferred that authority that he received to the believer whenever he went to heaven. He says, you have all the power and authority over the enemy. Who is you? That's the believers. You know, so he's given us all power and authority over the enemy. So all we have to do is take it and use it. But we have to understand how to use it. And the Bible tells us how to use that authority. The Bible tells us what we have authority over. If it's, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that, that Jesus or the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. So if it's kill, stealing, and destroying, we know it's from the devil, so we have authority over it. If it's giving us life and giving it more abundantly, we know it came from Jesus, because he came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. So we walk in it. You know, the Bible says in uh, 2 John, it says, um, Brothers, I pray that you may be of good health and prosper, just as your soul prospers. So if you want to walk in health... If you want to walk in prosperity, let your soul prosper. You know, you need to be into the Word. You need to understand the Word. You need to be guided by the Word. And it'll lead you into those things. Because He promised it. If he, I mean, if he, if he said it, it's true. 
You can't doubt anything that's in the Word. If you doubt anything that's in the Word, it says in, in James that you're like the sea, toft and turned. You're not going to get anything that you ask for. So you have to ask for it, and you have to ask believing. You know, in, uh, in Mark chapter 11, I think it's verse 23, where it says, You speak to the mountain, say, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart. You shall have whatsoever you sayeth. So you need to say it, and you need to believe it. You need to say it, you need to believe it. Because it says in your heart. You know, sometimes our, sometimes our mind gets in the road. You know, but that's all right. We don't live with our mind. We live with our heart. You know, we have to believe in the spirit man of ourselves, not in our head. You know, it says believe with the heart. Even in Romans 9, where we get saved, it says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It doesn't say believe with your head. Because your head will confuse you like crazy. It does me. You know, your head will cause all kinds of problems to you, but your heart won't. You can trust your heart. Whenever, whenever the Spirit of God speaks to you, you can trust it, because it is the truth. You know, he says, I cannot tell a lie. And then we have a responsibility of sharing our faith. You know, he don't give us... You know, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word the faith is written in there 39 times. Faith is written in there enormous amount of times. But the faith is written in there 39 times. What is the faith? That's our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the salvation message. 39 times he puts it in there that, that we have to be believers. We need to be believers in Jesus Christ. You know, if we've never made that decision, then the Bible is really foreign to us. You know, we, we don't understand it if we never made that decision. But it says we have to, we have to share our faith in uh, Philemon's chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Because I hear of your love and your faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward his saints. So this is Paul talking to the church of Philemon. And he says he heard of their faith. You know, so evidently they're sharing their faith. Evidently they're going out into the communities and doing the things that they need to do. Because it says they heard of his faith, of their faith. You know, do people in this community say, hey, I heard of Grace Church faith over there. You know, do people in this community say, hey, I heard of Jim and Alma's faith over there. You know, are they saying that in this community? If not, maybe we aren't walking in the place we need to be walking at. You know, are people saying, hey, I heard there was a miracle took place in that church over there the other day. Hey, I heard that somebody got healed of a horrible disease in that church over there the other day. I guarantee you if those things happen, people will start hearing about it. If it happens, they'll start hearing about it. And the word says that believers lay hands on the sick and they do recover. Believers lay hands on the sick and they do. It, said they might, it doesn't say they might recover or they should recover. It says they will. You know, those that, these signs will follow those that believe. Do you believe? You know, our faith is such a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of God that, I mean, it's just almost indescribable how much we can do if we understand the fullness of God's deity in our life. I mean, whenever I lay hands and touch somebody and pray for somebody for healing or something like that, 
I believe it's the same thing as Jesus laying hands and touching and feeling because where does the Holy Ghost live? He lives within me. And if He lives within me, when I lay hands on somebody, the Holy Ghost is laying hands on somebody. And the Holy Ghost has this, all the power in the world. He created it. You know, it says He hovers upon the, He hovered upon the, the null and void and made everything come into existence. You know, so He has all the power to do so. Uh, Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind to free those that are downtrodden. I mean, He's given us the, he's given us the ability to preach the gospel to the poor. He's given us the ability to release the captive, those that are bound by, you know, the... the the lady in the Bible that was bound by Satan for 18 years. She was bent over for 18 years and, and uh, the doctors couldn't do anything for her. In a second, Jesus took care of it. In a second, Jesus took care of it. We need to walk in that same power, that same authority. Uh, you know, if we look in the Bible, I'm, I'm going to give you just a few scriptures. You can write them down and and this is an assignment for you because you need to read the Word. <laughs> I'm not going to share them with you, but I'll tell you what they're about. But, but in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, which is, these are stories of people of faith, which this is the story of the centurion. Uh, go home and read it. In Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, this is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Go home and read it. And in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, the story of blind Barnabas. You know, these are all stories of, of faith in action. Uh, and I desire each and every one of you to put your faith into action. I desire to put my own faith into action. You know, I desire, I mean, what greater thing is to lay hands on somebody that's suffering from cancer or something like that and see them instantly healed what greater thing is it to see a blind person lay hands on that person and, and some of these things we have seen my wife and I have actually seen these uh, you know the one blind lady that came to us down in El Salvador and we laid hands and prayed for her nothing happened we didn't see anything happen she went home that night went to bed got up the next morning came to visit us by herself because she could see I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, but there's other stories. You know, uh, had the young, the young boy that was six months old, eight months old, something like that. Eight months old. Had dengue, uh, which is like the Nile fever. And basically the doctors didn't give him much of a chance. His mom heard that we was in town. You know, it's kind of like whenever Paul was in town, they would run to get the sick and bring him to him. You know, because they believed that Paul walked in the power of God. Well, this guy come to get us to go pray for this this little guy. And, and uh, so we went up and laid hands and prayed for him. Uh, when I laid hands and prayed for him, his mother was holding him. And his mother went out in the spirit. Uh, so Alma's grabbing for the baby. <laughs> and anyway, that night whenever we went to church... You know, we left there. At night whenever we went to church, the wife and the baby shows up for church, and the baby's absolutely fine. 
he stepped, he come up and got a hold of my neck and he hung from me all night long while I preached. <laughs> you know, God is good and God still is the same, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he desires to do his work through us, in us, and for us. You know, for his glory. For his glory. You know, none of these things is possible without God in our lives. You know, we had this... Uh, this lady come to us one time. Uh, her husband was home sick in bed. And we was holding a, a, like a youth or a children's thing. We had tons and tons of kids there. And, and this lady is wanting us to come and pray for her husband. And, you know, like we don't really have time to do that. Like now we got hundreds and hundreds of kids here, you know. And my wife we was outside doing these things, you know. And then El Salvador taught. Of course, my wife was had a towel and she was wiping the sweat off all the time, you know. Anyway, this lady took the towel from her and took it home. You know, in the Bible where it talks about, you know, they took towels and stuff like that and, and caused the sicknesses to go away. And they, She took that towel home that my wife had been wiping the sweat off with. And after we got done with the service, we went to this place to pray for this man. He's already up and gone. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. It is, God is amazing. He is truly amazing. And we don't give him enough credit for the things. that we give him credit for things that we shouldn't be giving him credit for, like when people are sick, they'll say, oh, you know, God did this to him for a purpose, you know. God did not do that to him for a purpose. You don't do that to your kids for a purpose, so God ain't going to do that to us for a purpose. You know, he says, I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if sickness comes upon us, we need to understand we've got authority over it. Because he says he's given us all authority over the power of the enemy. So we've got authority over it. We need to take authority over that sickness. And, and, you know, if we have a... My wife, you know, she was talking about her toe. As soon as that happened, I said, we just need to confess the word over that toe. And two days later, she's feeling good. <laughs> so God desires us. He desires our heart. You know, he don't desire our mind. He desires our heart. He desires... You know, the spirit of man. Hallelujah. Huh? Oh, yeah, we had a... Um, <laughs> you know, and why God does things, I'm not certain, but it's His responsibility, not mine. All I do is do what He tells us to do. We do what He tells us to do. At the end of this service, we had this... Uh, young lady come up to us and want us to pray, lay hands and pray for her because she had a, a constant arrhythmia of the heart. Uh, you know, it would skip beats all the time and everything. And, and anyway, she came up and, and my wife and I laid hands on her and, you know, God just knocked her out in the spirit. Uh, you know, she fell to the floor and, and, and her husband's up there with us. Of course, this first time anything like this ever happened we've seen it but it's the first time when we laid hands on somebody anything like this ever happened anyway she went out on the floor and her husband thinking we killed her you know <laughs> he's getting quite upset uh, her husband thinking we killed her and so finally in a little bit she gets up and, and she, you know she's fine and, and she grabs my wife's hand she says here put it on my heart because it was just thump 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 there wasn't no more arrhythmia of the heart or anything but it was a little touch and go there for a while when her husband thought we'd killed her, though. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, of course, there's a lot of new people in here today, so they haven't heard the story of Victor, but Victor was, is an amazing story, really is. Uh, God, God is just wonderful. Victor was a gentleman in El Salvador that had a lot of bad things happen to him, and he got into alcohol really bad, and, and uh, I mean, he was one of these guys that, uh, he was drunk every day. Uh, you know, he'd be laying in the gutters on the streets and kids would go by and throw rocks at him and the dogs would go by and pee on him. And, you know, he was just, he was, Victor was a mess. And uh, they, they hauled him to the church service that night in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> if you can imagine somebody coming in in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> but they hauled him to the church service that night in a wheelbarrow. And uh, at the end of the service, I, I said, now if there's anybody in here that needs prayer for healing or anything tonight, you know, please come forward. Well, they wheeled him up in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they took him out of the wheelbarrow and stood him up, and I started praying for him and laying hands on him, my wife and I, and, and of course we had a friend there with us at the time that went with us, and started laying hands and prayed for him, and I mean, he just got plumb belligerent. I mean, he just started screaming and hollering and beating his hands and everything else, and finally he just collapsed to the floor. And I thought, yeah this thing ain't done yet so sure enough I just kept praying for him and uh, a little bit he started beating on the floor and hollering and screaming again and everything and uh, then he just collapsed again like he was dead you know and I still felt like whatever needed to be accomplished wasn't accomplished so I just kept praying for him and speaking to that spirit within him and and Victor was a gentleman that he was a drunk he had lived in the rural area all the time he knew absolutely no English and uh, fourth grade education. And halfway through the third session with him, he turned around and looked at me just as plain in English as he could say it. He says, who in the heck are you anyway? And I, I just told him, I, you know, God came back at him and he says, it don't matter who I am. I'm here in the name of Jesus and you've got to come out of that guy. And uh, so he started wailing and beating the floor again and then he collapsed and and I really felt like it was over then, you know. And uh, so anyway, they took Victor back and, and set him in the corner there. And, and we prayed for some other people. And then after the service was over, I started to go out the door. And Victor was sitting back there. And he'd come up and give me a hug. And uh, today, Victor has his own farm. Today, you know, things like this just... They, they kind of get me going. But today, Victor has his own farm. You would not believe. I mean, he's got lemons that grow on this farm that are that big around. Lemons, not, not oranges, but lemons. Uh, you know, he has, he raises beans. You know, like somebody in the community dies and they can't afford a, a coffin. He does woodworking. They can't afford a coffin. He'll make a coffin for them. Uh, you know, if somebody needs a piece of furniture and they don't have money, He'll build furniture for him. He preaches at a church. Now he has his own church. He preaches at Victor is a miracle. I mean, Victor, you know, he didn't have a, a, an illness, a, a, a physical illness like cancer or anything like that, but he had a spiritual, you know, demonic illness. And God totally delivered him out of that just in the wink of an eye. You know, and every time that we went down there and we was, you know, at that time we was doing a lot of work building houses and, and 
building things. Every time we went down there to go to work, Victor was always there to help us. Right. Yeah, they sent they sent all the money for tools and everything down there. They sent tools down there. Yeah, uh, I mean it's just it's amazing. Whenever God grabs a hold of a life and changes that life, you know, in in the Bible where it talks about who is forgiven much loves much and who is forgiven little loves little, Victor was forgiven much and Victor just loved Jesus with all of his heart and Victor will do anything for the sake of Christ. You know, I was forgiven a lot. Uh, you know, so I'll do anything that Jesus asked me to do. Uh, I, you know, he's, he, he is my answer. So I will do anything he asked me to do. So, you know, we all need to be this way. You know, we've all been forgiven much. We're, we're all deserving of, you know, if any, any sins... If we've, if we've sinned, we are deserving of death. You know, Jesus delivered us out of that. So we've all been forgiven much. We've all been forgiven much. Hallelujah. Anyway, this morning, uh, I'm going to close with a prayer after we're done. If anybody has anything that they want prayed for, uh, you know, come up afterwards and, and we'll lay hands and pray for you. Um, I really... I really enjoy doing this. Uh, I know it's probably not what the pastor would do, but you know, I, I, I love I love ministering God's word because of what God's done for me. You know, because of what He's done for me, and he, he you know He took a drunk off the street and changed me, so I can relate to Victor a lot, and that's why it's that's why it's really telling that one, because I can relate to it. Father, we just give you thanks this morning. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had. Father, we thank you that each and every one of us will go out of this place changed this morning. Not because of what I said, not because of what's been done, but because of you. We give all the glory to you, Lord God, because you are deserving of it all. Father, we just thank you for this day and each and every day that you've given us. Father, we just desire to be a light in this community. A light in this territory, a light in this area, Father God. Father, we desire for your revival, for your spirit of revival to be up on this church and to be up on this land, Father God. Father, we just thank you. We thank you with all of our heart. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Thanks, everybody, for coming. <laughs>